Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Well, welcome into the Online Inquirer podcast and our Monday edition with Jay Lehman, uh, a little bit more cheery as Illinois <laughs> uh, picks up a huge win at Penn State. And uh, I-, I can't wait to break this all down with you, Jay. Uh, first road victory over a ranked opponent since you were in a line high uniform at number one Ohio State in 2007. And we got to see the nine overtime rule or the new overtime rule. Right. Full display. And I totally forgot that it went to, to two point conversions after all of that. What a wacky game, uh, but what a pretty dominant performance by Illinois. I, I want to say this before we get into all the, the overtimes and all that. This wasn't a fluke. I mean, if, if Illinois had average quarterback play, uh, Illinois wins by, by two scores probably. So uh, yeah. they dominate on a scrimmage. I mean, you look at the total – I mean, most rush yards I think ever given up to a running back in Beaver Stadium for Chase Brown, number one. Uh, number, number two is you look at the total yards. I mean, I think we had 350 some rushing yards and I, I know we had a few more passing yards if you want to count those, but, um, they only had 227 total yards. And, um, I, I just can't say enough about after the Wisconsin game to have a bye week to have the stuff that went on in, you know, press conferences and everything that was said, you know, which I, I actually was more of a fan of than not. I know some people got, took some criticism of it. Um, to have them prepared like that, I think the coaches completely outplayed them. And honestly, they made they made Penn, Penn State look like an FCS team, like a D2 team. I mean, it, it looked like, as far as their run defense goes, it was it was men against boys. And, that, that's, and those are men over on Penn State's defense. So I know they're banged up a little bit up front, but we're really banged up up front. So you could say that that's a draw. And so I was so impressed. Such a program building win. Uh, I think the whole meta narrative was like there was just resistance the entire game. Like there's resistance with this program, right? We're like, when are we ever going to be good? And they kept running into resistance, right? It was like, man, the penalties that called back the touchdowns, man, the overtimes, we can't catch a pass. They couldn't catch a pass. You know, the resistance. And then, and then like we broke through, uh, they broke through the ninth overtime. So I think that's kind of the big story of it is that they finally broke through through everything going on. Yeah. It was a really weird week, Jay. Uh, and, and I knew what Brett Bielma was talking about. I can understand why some people outside the program took the quote that way, but with more context, like it's just a fact we've talked about it here about 2019 through 21, the offensive line recruiting wasn't very good. I mean, bar 11 recruits are getting in right now, but the previous staff did not recruit offensive linemen well. So that's putting them in a tough place moving forward. Um, but, but people were saying, Oh, there's a way to lose the locker room. That certainly wasn't the case, right? I mean, what, what did you see from that perspective when there's all that noise outside the program right. for this team to come out and play the way it did? Well, I mean, it can go a thousand different ways. And Brett Bielema said that when, when stuff's down and after a Wisconsin game like that, and do you trust the system? Do you trust your coaches? And um, it, he didn't call out one player specifically. He said there was multiple positions that haven't developed like they needed to. 
and that it's concerning. I would say it's concerning too, that they don't have, you know, anybody in there too deep and it's a reflection of the program. And I mean, I think everybody, I think we get tired. I get tired of coach speak, right? But the funny thing is the one time the guy goes off coach speak and gives a very forthright answer, you know, he has the the cancel culture police try to come after him. Right. And so um, I actually didn't have a problem with it. And, and I think that's the same thing he's probably said to his players in private. And, you know, from what I heard, it sounds like he played the full clip for the team on the Tuesday team meeting and they got to hear it for themselves. And, you know, Doug Kramer said, well, we got his back and Doug Kramer played like, uh, he had his back, but probably had his best game. I think he he was able to get healthy uh, over the bye week. Uh, I don't think he was healthy the last couple of weeks. And so uh, this is a turning point for this program. This game feels different to me than the Wisconsin win. Um, just from uh, the Wisconsin, we, we had some turnovers. We had some breaks in that game. Uh, we certainly didn't dominate Wisconsin. And you kind of felt like uh, uh, Lovey Smith was on life support at that point. And they did have a little run of winning four straight after that game. Uh this seems like a program building win of like, this is the identity our football team needs to have. Yeah, Jay, I was, I was going to hit on that too. I, I talked about that on Saturdays. I, I felt like this was an identity win, right? Like, and right. I, I don't think it's just one game, right? We've seen this, I think for five games where we've seen a defense that is a top half defense right now. And, and right. we'll talk about Ryan Walters and everything he's done, but you've had good defensive play you've run the ball pretty well except for against Wisconsin and nobody's running the ball well against Wisconsin. Right. That's Brett Bielma identity, right? Run the ball, right. play good defense. And if you can get the skill positions on offense to, to elevate themselves a little bit, at least quarterback wide receiver, you might have something down the line, but uh, this has been formulating for a while. And finally it, it, it accrues in a big 10 win. It feels like. Well, well, and you know, this is why we have seen this, this is a perfect example of why you want to be able to run the football and play defense. And when you get into late October, there always seems to be a game like, I think it was probably two years ago to the date we played Purdue in the rain. Right. And re the reason we, we beat Purdue was we could run the football and they were just relying on throwing the football. Well, what happened to Penn state was, um, you know, they had a hurt quarterback. I don't think Clifford was a hundred percent, but they, so now their quarterbacks out. you can't really run the football for various reasons. A lot, a lot of that scheme, but we could run the football. And that's what shows up, right? And so we run the football, we play defense, uh, play complimentary football like we've talked about. And I guess what was so interesting to me is there was a time in that game, we're down 10 nothing. Sitkowski fumbles, and they have the ball like on the 33. They could make it a three-score game. And there's time and time again that that defense bowed up in very hard positions, got tackles for loss, got negative plays, uh, got sacks, and um, quite frankly, um, you know, kept us in the football game for enough time to kind of get past that offensive resistance. And I can't say enough, you know, overcoming three turnovers. Uh, it, it was power overcoming some really ill-timed penalties. Um, overcame that. And so, man, I was just so proud of this football team. This, is, this was a huge, huge win all, on all three phases and an identity win, too. All right, Jay, I, I want to throw some flowers at him. Let's start with the defensive side of the ball. Um, I mean, they are they are playing lights out. I mean, against the run, right. I thought the right. front seven was was fantastic. Right. I was texting you, Tariq Barnes and Kalon Tolson yeah. had fantastic games. I think Keith Randolph's really taking a star turn right now, right. but the rest of the D-line looks pretty good. What has Ryan Walters done since the Virginia game 
to get this out of a team that allowed 42 points and looked like defenses in the past. How has he been able to take the same players Lovey Smith couldn't stop the run against, and all of a sudden uh, they're a really good run defense that that plays pretty sound football right now? Yeah, no. First of all, it's a that's a that's a great question. Um, It all starts up front. I want to give you know I think Keith Randolph probably played his best game he's ever played. Uh, And Rod Perry and Johnny Newton played well, but I, I mean we saw Keith Randolph really get full extension with his hands and dump people off. There's a couple of those plays in the overtimes where he got off a block and with one hand stopped the running back. I mean, I mean, I mean, literally Keith Randolph uh, was, was playing great. Um, So it starts up front number one. And I think just having those three guys and saying, listen, your hands on the ground, every play, this is what we're running. We need you. And they they don't do a ton with those guys. They don't, they, they don't, I mean, they don't make them move a ton. We move a lot with outside backers and whatnot, but they let those guys play. They let those guys play fast. So, number one, that's what he's done. Number two, uh, they found out that Tariq Barnes plays better when he's attacking. He's a gifted blitzer, okay? He, he's he's not quite as good as Jake Hansen was at reading plays, but he's a really good player when you say, hey, hit this hole and time it up. And, you know, Ryan Walters had a sim- simplistic but very brilliant plan when it came to the Penn State uh, offense. And really, Penn State only ran one run play the whole entire game, which was inside zone, which was largely ineffective. I think at had 59 yards for like 29 carries or something like that. But um, what it was was he was going to blitz the opposite A-gap of the back. That's basically the, the gap between the guard and the, and the center. Uh, and we saw that on the play one. And what was going to happen is if, if it's a pass play, He's either going to guard that running back or beat him on a pass rush to Clifford. If it's a run play, you're going to tackle the running back or you're going to make him make a cut back in the back. We've talked about this a lot. You can make a back, you can make a back cut in the backfield. It's probably going to be a no game play. I know they had some times where they got some yards, but that one stunt, that that simplistic stunt, that that that's a Pop Warner stunt. Okay. And I'm not, I'm not, I, I think Ryan Walters is brilliant, but I mean, that shut down the entire run game. The entire run game, one stunt from Tariq Barnes. Of course, it has to work up front, and Randolph's taken two and, and stuff like that. But I, I just can't emphasize enough the simplicity of that. I, I couldn't believe there was an adjustment from – I'm going to mess his name at Yurovich, uh, the, the offensive corner for Penn State. Like, I just can't believe they didn't adjust to it. Because the whole time, uh, you know, and they, they tried to do a hard count later, Barnes didn't jump, right? They, they, I'm surprised they didn't come off quicker to combo up on Barnes. And I know I, you might think I'm belaboring this point, but they literally ran this stunt 20 times. And this stunt is like, this is like a Pop Warner blitz. Like, hey, middle linebacker blitz A-gap. Like, this is not technical, right? And he caused two holding penalties as well. Two big holding penalties, right? I don't think, he, that doesn't show up on the stat sheet, but I mean, he definitely gets pluses for that. And so Bron- Barnes played his best game and they found out that Barnes is best when he attacks, right? He, he really is. I think the versatility, uh, the most versatile player we have on defense is Kalen Tolson. Uh, he, you know, he's a guy that can play inside. He actually can play outside. We saw him get pressure in the court, get a sack. We saw him drop in coverage. He might be um, the most versatile outside backer that we have. I think Carney's probably our best overall pass rusher. I think Seth Coleman is probably the best overall athlete, but been banged up. But I think Kalen Tolson what I've seen at the outside backer position, his ability to play in coverage and rush the passer, kind of an undersized 
I'm not going to quite, I'm, I'm dating myself, but Elvis Dumerville was kind of that size, right? He's, he's kind of that undersized guy. We saw him get under the tackle on that sack on the speed rush. And so those are the front seven kind of like highlights that I saw. Um, I think obviously Devin Witherspoon continues to flash. Um, they're going to use his aggressiveness against them. They used it on him once he triggered, they threw it behind him. Right. Uh, but you know, he came up with a big play in the second half on that bubble and also on the, um, on the sack. So that's kind of what I saw defensively, but I think it was just honestly the simplicity that Ryan Walters was able to do. Um, and, you know, they took some chances, you know, Eddie Smith, I think got, got beat on, on the slant route, right. On a zero coverage kind of blitz and, you're going to get beat like that. They took a chance, but that was really the only time we saw somebody get beat uh, big. Dotson made a great catch in traffic one time, but that should have been a pick. How would you, for the layperson, uh, layman for the layman, um, what layman's would you, how, how would you describe what this defense is? Like, how would you um, label it uh, if we had to label? Because it felt like early on, Jay, they were – you know, really a lot of man coverage, being aggressive, right. and then they got burned deep. Now it feels like a lot of zone coverage. Right. feels like there are more three-man fronts here that we're right. seeing. I mean, you mentioned Kalon Tolson kind of playing an edge now uh, right. with, with Isaiah Gay as an edge as well. How would you label it right now? It, well, it's hard to label, number one. I, That's a good thing, isn't it? it yeah, it, it is. And, and, you know, everybody gets on coaches for saying we're going to be multiple, and Ryan Walters, he actually was multiple at Mizzou, right? Uh, depending who they run. And what I, what I like about Ryan Walters is uh, he kind of has an, in, I know he's not an NFL guy. He hasn't, he hasn't necessarily been in the NFL as far as coaching wise, but it seems to me like they have unique wrinkles and game plans for each team. And he has that. Um, I, I would call us right now. Um, and, and this is, this is, you could, you could, you could call us a three, four, but it's really like a three, 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 five, like, it's kind of weird, you know, it's like, because some of these guys, you know, some of these guys are playing like an extra defensive back in there and Sidney Brown runs in there, but then you have Kalen Tolson, who is a D lineman sometimes, but he's not. And you think it's confusing for us to, you know, as an offensive lineman, I'm looking at, and this is what Wisconsin's done for years, right? I mean, literally they, you could call Wisconsin a 30 front, a three, three, five, a, a 34 front. Sometimes they run a four, four, like, and, that's becoming like, especially if you don't have guys that can just line up and beat people, although we're getting a couple and Keith Randolph and whatnot. Um, it's, it's hard to state what it is, but a lot of times they run kind of like a, a, a three, three, five, where it's like, they're dropping, they're dropping eight. Right. Uh, and, and they rush three. A lot of times too, they, they were running just a three man front with Barnes, just saying, I'm going to go and blitz the a gap and everybody else is playing you know, it seemed like everyone was playing zone on the back end. Sometimes they were playing man, but everybody's playing zone on the back end. So they were having kind of these hybrid things. And you never know unless you hear the call, but it just looked like it was specifically game planned, one, to shut down the run play, and two, to give help on some of the deep plays against dots and whatnot. I, I just want to make a point. That's very different than, than the last the last defense, sure. right? Like, I just want very to point different. that out. Like, very different. And what I like about it, Jay, is you confuse college quarterbacks, right? right? And there's more aggression. You don't know who's coming. And you can see a few times, Sean Clifford looked a little confused. There was a lot of checking and he, he didn't know what to do. Sidney Brown was kind of toying with him. Yeah. With where he's, he was experienced, going. he's an experienced guy, three-time captain for Penn State, won a lot of games. I don't think he was necessarily 100% healthy, but their offensive line was pretty darn healthy. 
and they got they got made to look silly. Honestly, it was it was a disaster offensively for Penn State, an outright disaster. The only way they were in that game was because of three turnovers. That's it. That's the only way they were in that game. And uh, I, I'm really just really impressed by by the defense's ability to, you know, game plan for Ryan Walter's ability to game plan specifically. And I, I just thought the lack of innovation from Penn State in the run game was astounding to me. I can't remember seeing a team not run more than one run play and that didn't work. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, like do a, do a toss, do, do like, like pull somebody like they didn't do any, do a counter. They didn't do any of that, which tells me that they're, they're, they're either one, they didn't have it in the game plan Two, They were confused and couldn't run anything else. So I, I just, it was shocking to me to watch how it played out. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jay, I haven't even asked you yet. Nine overtimes. Um, the, the, the rule was put in place so we right. wouldn't have something like this. It's a college football record, of course. Um, you know, not a lot of plays being run there. So you, you do have some safety there. But like, what did you make of how that played out? I mean, it was Penn State had a few close ones early. I mean, Illinois could have ended it if uh, Josh McCray would have brought that one in for right. Mark Sikowski. But uh, Illinois, I mean, the defense time after time, you mentioned it. Keith Randolph had a couple of big plays. Kalon Tolson, I thought Johnny Newton uh, and Kirby Joseph had a big stop. They kept making stop after stop. I mean, and, and these are pressure stops. One, I, I think that I think the change in overtime is good, first off, right? Um, you kind of got the feeling that you knew nobody was going to score a touchdown in those first two ones, right? Just the way the game was going. And, you know, we had a chance. Um I think I, you know, the, the plays that stick out to me are Keith Randolph, one hand stopping guys. Johnny Newton got some pressure. Kalon Tolson dropping into coverage. You mentioned Kirby Joseph. Um, I just saw really disciplined football because Sean Clifford's a guy that can make you really undisciplined by holding the football. And, um, you know, I, I, I like what Isaiah Williams did. I, I didn't like the first two throws that Peters had. Didn't give us a chance, really. Um, but credit to him, you know, even though Casey Washington was probably open for four seconds, right. In, in true Brandon Peters form, he wanted to make sure he was open. Right. Yep. And uh, they got it done. And that you, you saw the mental breakdown. That was obviously a mental breakdown by a Penn state defender. I mean, he got, yeah, I was never guarded the whole time. And so they couldn't, nobody could quite win the game, right. Nobody could go out and actually win it. I, I think of the first four overtimes, everybody got stopped. I think it was uh, Isaiah Williams was the first one actually scoring then Penn state scored and, that was close. They almost didn't score. Um, so I was so glad at Illinois. We, how many games have we seen where we're like, man, Illinois is so close. This is going to be so huge. And then something happens. It was, 
I can't put into words the the confidence boost that going on the road to a top 10 program against a perennial power and then being in a game where stuff goes wrong. So many times you could quit. So many times you give up. Now the next time they're in that, they're like, wait, we, we've been here before. That, that That's a huge thing. I mean, just mentally. And you, you can't give – and Kirk Ferentz says it. We hear other people say it. You can't – you can teach players everything but two things, experience and confidence. And they got experience and confidence today. They earned it. That, that's the key. All right, Jay, let's switch to the offensive side of the ball. Um, first play from scrimmage, nine guys on the offensive line. In the year of our Lord 2021, you have nine guys in the line of scrimmage, and they get nine yards, and they kept running it, and they kept running it. And I'm sitting there going, is Penn State going to put nine or ten in the box? And they kept being successful with it. I mean, they didn't run it all the time, Jay, but what did you, what did you make of that and how that played out just having – I think it's the barge package. And I heard Brett Bielma say beef and Whopper on the radio. <laughs> Maybe there's some variants of it. Yeah. So first off, I like to look at it from a linebacker's perspective. There's nine guys on the line, a quarterback who's not mobile. And then there's one tailback. So who do we think is getting the ball? Okay. okay so it's obvious. So as a linebacker, my job gets a lot easier, right? You would think, all right. You would, you would think all this, um, but what I saw was, you know, they created an edge and they said, okay, we're going to get a longer edge than them. And we're going to try to run around that edge. And we're going to double team that edge with our two tight ends on the very end, double team. They got some movement, knocked that guy off the ball and then pulled Kramer and Pelcheski was playing right guard. Mostly they moved him around some, but, but right guard mostly. And uh, they moved in and had, you know, Kramer and Pelcheski lead, uh, you know, Chase Brown or, or McCray sometimes across that edge. And, I can understand being fooled by that two or three plays like, like, okay, that's, that's a formation you don't see. And I know the front gets mixed up for the Mike linebacker, but man, I just can't understand why they didn't adjust their splits. If I'm a linebacker, I would have scooted back a step because I'm going to have to go wider to get over. They were so tight. They were tight to the line and getting caught in the wash, man. Cause now I get double teamed. I get that guy in my lap about three yards down the field. Right. And I got to go over that guy. So if I would have scooted back and just attacked, I would have been fine. I just, I, I mean, I was hoping the Penn State didn't adjust. It's not that hard of an adjustment, right? I mean, I mean, you go on the sideline and do it, but I tell you what, it worked, and they never really adjusted properly. And I will give Chase Brown a couple times. He just cut it back and had and had the vision to cut it back and the patience, which led to some big gains. And um, I liked really how they used McCray and, and Brown. It was less series to series and more like, okay, Here's three runs for this guy. Let's get Chase. And, and man, it was, it's a total change of pace. I mean, you got to get to the edge fast on Chase Brown, where with McCray, I've got to, I've got to hit him before he gets going kind of thing. And so I really like to use it. The shocking thing is that everybody in the stadium, everyone watching knew they couldn't throw the football. Like it's one thing if I got like a steep threat going down the field, right? But everyone knows you can't do it. So to, to, to do that when everybody knows you're going to run with football was pretty astounding by the offensive line and, and, and good schemes, honestly, good schemes by the, by, by Tony Peterson. So do we expect that to continue? Like, is, is that a wrinkle? Is that a one game off? Or if they bring that out, like what is Rutgers going to do um, to, to go against that? And what's Illinois counter to that? Like, do they sure. all of a sudden go play action out of it? Yeah. So what, you always have the play action. I'd actually like to see just more naked boots, uh, honestly, off of it. With, with obviously Peters running the football on it. Uh, I like that, you know, one of the counters was the throwback tight end, which, which Daniel Barker got called on for uh, 
being one yard over the line of scrimmage. I mean, that was a really tough call and Pilstrom being downfield. Uh, that was one of the counter plays, right? Um, I would love to see four plays, four pass plays that Illinois gets really good at. Uh, you know, a boot, a tight end throwback, you know, a little out route to uh, Isaiah Williams and one, one, you know, dig route for a first down for 10 yards. If we had those four plays, which are not hard plays, let me tell you, you know, it would change the whole outlook and keep the defense honest. We can do those four plays. And, and quite frankly, not all the balls were horrible. Some of them were. We got to come down. Luke Ford's got to come down with a couple of balls. We got to have a couple of guys come down with balls uh, to do it. But, um, man, I was just so proud of that offensive line. I just can't, I just can't say it enough. But the funny thing is a lot of the sets were one back. Um, and so you know where the ball's going. It wasn't like there was like two backs in the backfield that we're going to get lead, we're going to power. But I saw them run some classic power as well. They ran some classic power well. So it wasn't just that stretch lead with the pulling around Kramer. They ran some power right at people. And so when you're able to do that, you're able to really move the football well. Jay, I'll throw this question at you. Who more likely is on an NFL roster at this time next season, Doug Kramer or Chase Brown? Well, that's a good question. You know, let's hope Chase doesn't leave, right? <laughs> um, I mean, I'm just thinking he's got to start thinking. I mean, he's he's legit. He's, he, he's a he's a legit player. I, I you know I'd love to see him healthy. I think the one knock they're going to get on him is he just hasn't been hasn't done it for a whole season, right? And so there's there's limited tape on him. Um, but Kramer, when he's healthy, you know when you have a zone blocking system, you know, I don't, there's a guy named Gray Esslinger who played for Tony Peterson at Minnesota for years. Um, started as a true freshman, kind of undersized and fast. I didn't realize how fast Kramer was. The guy can move when he's healthy. And uh, I don't think he necessarily overpowers a ton, but he played nasty. He threw some people down. I saw him, got some knockdowns. And when he's healthy, I think Kramer could be on a roster for the right scheme. You know, for years, the Texans under Gary Kubiak had that zone scheme. You know, he, he would be a great fit for that. I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that's just going to grind people out like Kendrick Green, but he's certainly a good football player. And it was, it was excited to see uh, him. I thought Palcheski, I think because of some of the injuries, I thought maybe he would be better at guard. And I think he played better. Uh, Pearl, for the most part, played decent at right tackle. He, the one guy got a great jump on that one play. I mean, just a tremendous get off off the ball that led to a sack. But I think Pearl could be a, a good tackle. It shows his versatility as well. Um, I, I hope Verdarian's okay. You know, I think that he, I, I, you know, Part of the reason it was so good on that left side is that you you put inexperienced guys next to Vidarian Low and you know he can help crush a double team. And I, I hope he's okay. I, I certainly don't know, but th those are big parts of it. But to answer your question, uh, probably Doug Kramer. I think Chase needs another year. Gotcha. You do too, right? <laughs> uh, it'd be good for Illinois. I can tell you that much. And and to, to come back, I agree. I don't I don't know if he's a early draft pick or anything like that, but he's a guy that running backs, you might want to go early, right? That's one position where you probably go earlier than the most. Um, all right, Jay, before I let you go, this is a big win that sets up an interesting end to the season because you have winnable games remaining starting this week against Rutgers. Minnesota is playing well, despite all the injuries they've had at running back. Um, their offensive line plays really, really well. That's a tough game on the road. Iowa's a tough game on the road. But you also have Northwestern um, um, right. coming here, and, and they're not playing very well. So what's the key to building some momentum here? And, and what do you think are, are the keys against 
Rutgers, which hasn't won a Big Ten game yet. Well, first off, I think that Illinois believes in its mind that it can beat any of these teams now. I really do. So first, it, start, it starts mentally with them. They talked about the seven-game season, the two-game season, the three-game season. They're looking to go 2-0 and in this you know, season between the bye weeks. And um, I, I, I do think they'll beat Rutgers. Um, I think the big question is, can they win two out of three against Minnesota, Iowa, and um, Northwestern? Uh, and I would say it looks a whole lot more plausible than it did three days ago, right? And uh, it's really going to come down to um, we can't afford uh, – we cannot afford to have the turnover issue like we had last game. Um, and one thing Brandon Peters has, has seemed to be okay better on is just taking care of the football. Um, whether it's fumbles or interceptions, we, we can get on about throwing the ball away or holding on to the ball too long. Um, so I just think we'll really get dominated against Iowa if we turn over like that. That's what they feed off of. But then again, we had three turnovers against Penn State and beat them. So I, there, there's stuff that cannot be explained. I really like where this team's at as far as uh, getting their identity going. Um, if they can make it to a bowl game, boy, that would be a huge momentum boost. I think for practices, for recruiting. I mean, the fact that game was on ABC national television, everybody got to see Illinois own a top 10 team. That's going to do wonders. And uh, just my personal take, I thought the announcing was some of the most biased announcing for Penn State I've ever heard. <laughs> you know, um, I, I honestly, it felt like a love affair for, you know, Penn State in that first half. And I was like, man, I haven't had people texting me saying, man, what's going on? It just sounds like this. And, and uh, I just, I, I took offense to a little bit, you know, I'm an Illinois guy. And I, I'm, I've been accused of being a homer myself, but um, I just didn't think it was that favorite broadcast to start out with. So I said it. Yeah, no, um, I thought, I, I, I thought Orlovsky tried to do some things right, but like, it's obviously the story for them is Penn state. Right. But yeah, I, that, I think, that, that, I think they were missing, I think they were missing the story at least of that game as it was going across it was Illinois dominating like this they missed it, it the story of this is an historic upset against a big 10 uh it, with with the longest game in history which i know happened fast but i just thought the whole story of wow this is a team that got killed by wisconsin two weeks later is battling a penn state team who's number seven in the country i just thought it could have been documented in the story told way better than it was i think that's and i correct. thought abc missed a chance uh, I'm not critical of announcers usually. I just thought that for the most part, it seemed very Penn State oriented and, and rightfully so. But once the game got going, I thought, man, we could see more of it. So uh, that's my take. You know, I mean, uh, I, I'm, I'm an announcer. I'm an Illinois fan. So I certainly can be biased. I think I think, uh, you know, Orlowski and, 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 and Dave, uh, Witt, I'm going to choose they're they're very talented, good announcers. I just thought for that game, the whole story of it was was missed. Yeah, and that's just where people are interested in, in Penn State a lot more in Illinois. But right. you know, that, that's right. why. If, I think if we've been the bottom feeders for a long time. So it's yeah. kind of like we want something to give us some respect, the one game right. we're doing well on. So, you know, I don't I don't mind. I'm sure I've done that with games as well. But I think when you're when you have conference opponents, you know, it's one thing if you're playing a non-con, you're on the Big yeah. Ten network and you know, uh you're paying, playing somebody from the Mac, obviously you're going, you're more Big Ten centric, right? But I think when you have a conference opponent on ABC. Um, which is a really good game that turned out to be a historic game, man, we, we, we've, we've got to have a, a fair shot, but you know, that's my take, you know, that one's free for you guys. I, you know, I thought that's just what I thought. 
Love it. Love it, Jay. Uh, we'll do our video breakdown in a little bit. Can't wait for you to break down Ryan Walters' defense and, and all of that, and plus this barge package uh, that Illinois put in and Penn State could not adjust to. Jay Lamb, you're the goods. We'll talk to you next week. Maybe two wins in a row for Illinois. We'll talk Let's to you then. Let's go. Great stuff as always from Jay Lehman. Of course, he's the goods. And if you want more from Jay Lehman, you can get more. We did a film review for our VIP members, and Jay did a fantastic job of breaking down how Ryan Walters' defense was so successful against Penn State and really what they've changed uh, here recently and, and kind of looking at their schemes, but also their execution on certain plays, uh, especially in overtime. Great stuff on Tariq Barnes that I think only Jay could break down. I didn't notice it in the breakdown um, when I watched it originally, but stuff that Jay knows and can pick up on that uh, most of us can't. That's why I love having him. Um, so be sure to check that out. Also broke down the offensive line, the barge package of, of nine down linemen, a couple tight ends and seven offensive linemen, and why Penn State struggled to defend it uh, and maybe adjustments they didn't make. So go check that out if you're a VIP member. If you're not, you can sign up for a VIP membership for just $1. And with Jay Lehman doing these breakdowns and Michael Tulip doing these breakdowns, I can tell you that alone uh, is worth the price of admission. And then you add in everything Derek Piper does with basketball, Joey Wagner does, and what I do on the football recruiting side. I think it's well worth it. So, so give it a try at $1 for your first month of VIP membership. As always, thank you for listening to the Illini Enquirer podcast. We'll have more on football and basketball uh, as we go with the week ahead. Of course, we got Michael Tulip coming up uh, to break down the exhibition game uh, and some film review with him as well. So I can't wait for all of that. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Illini Enquirer podcast. Give us a follow uh, if you can wherever you follow our podcast. We appreciate any rating or review as well. That helps us out. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. And we'll talk to you next time right here on the Online Enquirer podcast.